Pastor Mark Joe on today's Moody Presents. Whether it's washing dishes or whether you're a CEO of a company, that whatever you do, when you do it to God, it becomes an act of worship. And it's not about the job that you do, it's about the heart that you have when you do the job and why you do the job and for whom you do the job. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Joe, president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Gager confessing that, well, I enjoy working. I like activity. And my wife would tell you that sometimes, well, I work too much. So today's message is especially for those of us who struggle with a work balance. Today, Pastor Mark starts a new series titled God at Work, The Sacred Value of What You Do. By the way, do you see your job as a curse or as a blessing? Is it just to get a paycheck or is it more like a calling? Starting us off thinking about work, I want to tell you about my first job and Maybe it'll bring some fond or not so pleasant memories back to you. I was a paper boy, got up early in the morning, not bad in the summer. We folded those newspapers, put rubber bands around them, and boy, in the dark winter mornings, that was not easy. In the winters, we skidded all over the sidewalks. I, you know, I rode my bike even in the winter. We tossed those papers from the sidewalk, occasionally banging the metal doors a bit too loudly at 6 a.m., <laughs> and more than one landed on the roof. No broken windows, though. The worst part of the job was collecting money. Yeah, they sent out kids to collect money from adults who conveniently hid in their homes or didn't respond to the doorbell ringing. That's all right. I got even. I used to bang on those doors real loud. (laughs) Hey, what was your first job? What did it teach you? You know, later in the broadcast, I'm going to share an email address where you can tell us all about it. But for now, we need to get to work on work. Here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 2 here on Moody Presents. Think about your job for a moment. Some of you have jobs that you don't get paid for. Some of you are homemakers, and so you stay at home, and you work as hard as other people work, but you don't see a paycheck. Uh, Some of you get up on Monday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. You commute to downtown. You find parking or you go on the orange line to some big building there. You go to an office place and you spend eight hours behind a computer monitor, a computer screen, and then you make your commute back to your house. Uh, Some of you go, get up on Monday and you go to a school where you are a teacher except this Monday where you're going to be on a picket line. But normally you go to a place where you will be teaching. Uh, Some of you work at factories, and you're on an assembly line, and you uh, work on this assembly line machine. Some of you own your own businesses, and you get up and you, well, you're constantly working because you always are carrying the weight of your business on your shoulders and are feeling the weight of doing that. Some of you work at financial institutions where you uh, go and you either invest or you're in banking. Uh, Some of you are mechanics and so you get your hands nice and greasy. Some of you work for the city and some of you are police officers and some of you are firemen and there are a whole host of jobs represented in this auditorium. In fact, the truth is that you spend 40 
to 60 hours at your workplace and really maybe only two hours at your worship place. So I know that you spend a lot more time on the job than you do at church. But the thing is that most of us have no real philosophy of work. We, some of us get up on Monday and we go to work and we think, man, Sunday was so good. I worship God. What a great place to be. And now I have to go to work. <sighs> We're doing this series, God at Work, because I want you to understand for, for several reasons. I'm doing this series because many of us spend countless hours at work, but don't know what God has to say about work. I'm doing this series because many of us dread going to work on Monday mornings. You dread it. I'm doing this series because many of us have no idea how to integrate our faith with our job. You just, it's never crossed your mind. You think church is spiritual, work is secular. But, but you don't know how to mix the two together. And haven't never ever thought about that clearly. I'm doing this series because most of us divide work as secular and church as sacred. I'm doing this series because your work is about more than just a paycheck. It's really, no matter what you do, it's really about a calling more than just a paycheck. As I was thinking about this series, God at Work, we're going to be talking about rethinking your job from curse to blessing, turning your work into ministry keeping your job without losing your soul, inviting God to your workplace. As I was thinking about this series, I was thinking about so many jobs that are represented here. Some of you wish you could go to work on Monday morning, but you're laid off right now. Some of you wish you could be laid off, but you have to go to work on Monday morning. I was thinking for a moment when I first started working, I had my first real job, what I would consider, I had little bits and pieces before them, but my first real job at the age of 16. And at the age of 16, I, got, I landed a job working at a hotel as a dishwasher and as a uh, room cleaner. I don't know what my official title was, but I was cleaning rooms. And I, it was actually away from the town where I lived, and so I, I spent three months in the summer. I lived at the hotel in the basement would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I had never really, really had to go to work every day. I was in school, and so it was the first time we, we started at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't remember the dread of getting up early in the morning. And it happened to be, I grew up in Europe, and so uh, th this hotel that I worked, with, worked at happened to be in a French town. So... In, in a coastal French town, so first of all, I didn't know French, so people were kind of, I, I know what an immigrant feels like that doesn't know the language because, I mean, I was being bossed around in French, and I just kind of said, wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, it's about what I knew, and you feel a little bit like a dummy because, you know, you just can't understand what people are saying, and people have to speak slow to you, and... Um, I, I never knew there were pots and pans as big as I saw them. I, mean, I never knew there was pots that were that big. And I never knew there was just scum in the bottom of the pots that I had to clean out. And so 
Every morning I'd get up and for hours I worked at, as a dishwasher, cleaning with, with French cooks screaming at me in the background. And, and, and it was hot. It was dirty. Uh, they, they kept saying faster, vita, vita. That means faster, faster. And worked at there. And I remember at the end of the day I was so exhausted. And it did two things for me. Number one, it made me want to go to college. If your kid doesn't want to go to college, hey, have them work as a dishwasher for a summer. It will give them a high incentive to want to go to college. So one thing I thought, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I want to go to college. And secondly, it brought into my mind that I didn't like what I was doing. I wasn't excited about putting my hand in a pot and scrubbing all day and then going and cleaning up after other people's messes in hotel rooms. I mean, I thought, I don't like this. I don't like this work. I don't like to do it. But as I was working in this hotel and just exhausted in the evening times, I started, I, I was a believer, and God started speaking to my heart. Someone had give me, given me a little book called Practicing the Presence of God by a fellow by the name of, well, he was a monk that they called Brother Lawrence. And I related to Brother Lawrence because Brother Lawrence had joined the monastery, but he was a dishwasher in the monastery. What Brother Lawrence learned is that no matter what you do, whether it's washing dishes or whether you're a CEO of a company, that whatever you do, when you do it to God, it becomes an act of worship. And it's not about the job that you do, it's about the heart that you have when you do the job and why you do the job and for whom you do the job. And so I started reading that little booklet and it's changed my perspective about what I was doing. I actually started to realize that although I was washing dishes and felt like it was an ungrateful job and no one noticed how good I did it or how bad I did it, and, and I didn't really want to spend the rest of my life doing it, I started realizing that I was doing this job, that when I started doing this job for God and offering it to God, that it changed the way I looked at my job. So I started praying while I was doing it, singing while I was doing it, blessing the Lord and saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wash dishes as good as I can for you. That changed my perspective about how I viewed work. And then through college, I had a lot of odd jobs. See, I, was a re I worked at a hotel as a receptionist in, at, in Rush Street. That was an interesting job. I, I worked at uh, the merchandise for a while while I was in college. I worked as an English teacher for Inlingua off of a place in Michigan Avenue. I counted for the Board of Election. I worked every little odd job I could do because I was helping pay my way through school. And I started to understand and started to realize that there are jobs that we do that we don't like. There are jobs that we do that we do like. But as a believer, our perspective and our job has to be absolutely different than the world that's around us. Uh, sometimes we make a distinction between the sacred and the secular. But God has no distinction between the sacred and the secular. So I want to talk to you about turning your job from a curse to a blessing. Are you with me? All right, so let's jump into it. Let's go all the way to the book of Genesis. All the way to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. 
I want you to understand because some of you view your job as a curse. And some of us have the mentality that our job is really a curse. So in turning your job from a curse to a blessing, I want you to first of all realize this. We wrongly think that work is a part of the curse, but in reality, it's a part of the creation blessing. It's a part of the blessing. You're listening to Mark Job on Moody Presents. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about work and how God sees it. And with that, let me share an email address where you can tell us a little bit about your first job, how it helped you, maybe shaped you. That address is moodypresents at moody.edu. We want to hear your story at moodypresents at moody.edu. Now, as we look at work through the lens of Scripture, we want you to be sure you understand that in the eyes of God, you have great purpose, which means, well, you're special to Him. And certainly we are not defined by our work, but rather our work should be done joyfully for the Lord. Let's learn more now as Pastor Mark Job takes us back to Genesis 2 here on Moody Presents. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord took man, it says, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work in it and to keep it. Uh, this was before the fall of man. This was before the curse. Uh, is work a curse? I've heard Christians tell me, well, you know, part of the curse is that we have to work. Uh, that's a misinterpretation of Scripture. The working was never a curse in the Bible. In fact, do you know that God is a worker? Uh, God, when we encounter God for the very first time in the book of Genesis, He's not kicking back on some fluffy cloud, smoking a big heavenly cigar, chilling out in the heavenly realms. No, no, no. When we first encounter God of the universe, we encounter a God that's at work. He's creating, making. He, he's working. In fact, the first chapters of the Bible really talk to us about the pattern of God working, he worked hard. He was creative at what he did. He got a lot done in a short amount of time. He worked very hard at what he did. And then he would relax and look and admire his work and enjoy his work and then get back to work as well. And now we follow or are supposed to follow that pattern. We work certain days. We take a day off. We enjoy our creation. We enjoy, we admire what we've done. We enjoy life. And then we go back to work. Work was never meant to be a curse. Work is part of the creation blessing. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, and some people get this wrong idea about work being a curse from Genesis chapter 3. When man disobeyed God and fell, but to Adam he said, because you obeyed your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground, thanks to you. In painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, but you will eat the grain of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. Part of the curse that God gave was not the curse of work, 
But the curse, that work would be hard at times. That work would be painful. To the woman, childbearing is not a curse. It's a blessing. But he said, you're going to be cursed in the fact that when you give birth to a child, it will be painful now. Uh, people would have babies before the curse, but now your childbirth will be painful. How many of you women can testify that it is painful? There was work before the curse, and so the curse was not work, but the curse was now your work will be painful at times. The woman's childbearing would be painful, and work would be painful as well. I don't know how childbearing was before the curse, but you know how now you kind of scream and grunt, get red, and get the epidural in your back, and it's a very painful process. I guess before the curse, it was just kind of, hey, the family gathers around. Hey, it's coming. Hey, give me a cup of tea. Hey, can I have a banana? Whoop, there he is. Wow, this is so great to have him. Catch him. I think that's the way it was before the curse. It's not like that anymore. Now you're happy you have the baby, but it is a painful process. I went through a lot of training with my wife when we first had our baby and I went to classes, just I got a t-shirt that said coach on it and, you know, they taught us how to focus and how to breathe and so uh, the first time I went there, I was all prepared, tried to coach her. After a while, she just said, stay away from me, get me an epidural, don't coach me, don't tell me how to breathe, don't tell me how to concentrate, just get me drugs to take away this pain. So for the next baby, she looked at me and she said, you have one job. I thought she was going to say, hold my back, rub, rub my back, hold my hand, pray for me. She said, you get the anesthesiologist as quickly as you can. That's your job. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So if we look at Genesis, we discover that when the, when the world was perfect, before the fall, in the garden... When God created paradise, paradise was not a place where Adam and Eve were just laying around on the grass, not doing anything. That God gave them work from the beginning because he understood that work would give purpose and fulfillment to them. That work was part of what they were created to do. You and I have been designed not just to lay around, we have been designed to work. We find meaning and calling and purpose and fulfillment when we engage in work that is meaningful and we use our gifts in what we do. In fact, what I've discovered is that there's an extreme when it comes to work. I see two extremes. One is that some people view work as a curse. Think about it for a second. You talk to a lot of people and what is their dream? Some people religiously play the lottery. Why? You say, hey, if you won the lottery, what would you do? They say, I would quit work immediately. And I would just do whatever I want to do. I'd play a lot of golf, go to the Bahamas, chill out, buy myself a boat, get a Harley, travel around the country. Why do you, win the, why do you want to win the lottery? To stop working. Sometimes the American dream revolves around stopping working. Think about it. When we talk about retirement, for example, a lot of people, their whole goal in their work career 
is to amass enough amount of money so that they can get to the point where they're young enough in life to retire as soon as they can so they can do what? So they can not work. And I think if I could just get enough money where I could retire, the American dream is to stop working. We play the lottery to stop working. We try to get money and, and invest our money so that the earlier we can retire, the better. And some people retire early. When we hear a story of someone that retired at 55 and they're set for life and they don't have to work, we all think, wow, that's the life. But the truth is, that's a cursed view of working. I've talked to a lot of retired people, by the way, and retirement is not always what it's cracked up to be. How about it? Some of you are retired and you understand that. You retire and you say, man, it's going to be so good to be able to sleep in. You're so used to getting up at 6 in the morning that now you wake up and you're wide awake at 6 in the morning. You don't have work to go, so you go to Dunkin' Donuts. Piddle around the house. There's only so many windows you can fix and, you know, only so much you can manicure the lawn with. And some of you, I've seen people really decline in their health, in their mind, in their energy, in their ability once they go into retirement because they thought all I want to do is just kind of hang around and do nothing and they realize I'm wired to do something. In fact, do you realize that retirement is a fairly new invention? That the whole concept of retiring emerged in this country, I believe it was more around the 1930s or so. There was never that concept of retirement before that time. And part of it was because there were so many people in the workforce, they wanted to make room for younger people in the workforce. And so we started retiring people. But I don't believe that the whole, even the idea or the concept of retirement is necessarily a biblical concept. Now, I'm not telling you not to retire, but I'm telling you that the idea of retirement and not doing anything is not a good idea. That you are called, you have gifting, you have a purpose, and retirement may be a, a time to change what you invest your time in, but it should not be a time where you retire just to do nothing, because I can guarantee you probably won't be very happy just doing nothing. Now, some people, their whole dream in life is to somehow beat the system so you have, won't have to go to work. Some people spend so much time to figure out how the, they can get a paycheck from the government so that they won't have to go to work. And their dream is, hey, I get a paycheck from the government because of this, that, the other. And some people fake injuries. They think if I can get this disability check going and I fake this injury, there's a whole industry around trying to catch people that are faking industries because, injuries because they think to themselves, if I can get a paycheck from the government for the rest of my life and I don't have to go to work, I will be happy. I've met some of those people. Let me tell you, they're not happy. Most of them are pretty miserable because you were designed engineered, created by a working God to utilize your gifts into some productive call of your life where you actually put your energy and efforts into work. That's part of God's call. Some of you have the privilege of working at places where you utilize your talents and gifts. And the things that you like to do, you're actually doing. 
And you go to your job and you say, I love my job. Because all the things that I know how to do, I'm doing at my job. And you just say, man, it doesn't even feel like work. Because I go there and the very things I love to do, I'm doing. How many of you feel like that? that? Okay, some of you do. It's a minority of you that feel that way, by the way. Most people, or a lot of people, feel like they go to work and they have a lot more to give than what they're doing at their job. And that a lot of the gifts and talents that they have, they're not really put into work at their job. I want to tell you this, that whatever your stage in life is right now, whatever God has placed you right now, I want you to say, I embrace my place now, God. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for helping us shape our view of work, bringing it into a, a more godly alignment. The message you've heard today on Moody Presents is titled, God at Work, Rethinking Your Job, From Curse to Blessing. Well, part two comes our way next time. Remember to hear this or any previous broadcast again. You can always go to moodypresents.org. Moodypresents.org. You know, we really appreciate your prayers, your support of this radio ministry, And you can send us an email about that first job that I alluded to earlier in the broadcast when you write moodypresents at moody.edu. Moodypresents at moody.edu. Love to hear from you. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us and listen in. God bless you as you continue working for the Lord, wherever you might be today. I'm John Geiger, inviting you to join us again next week for part two of Rethinking Your Job. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.